0: So, if you haven't heard of Anchor, it's actually the easiest way to make a podcast and it's free. That's the best part. The nice thing is it also distributes your podcast to various other podcast sites like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and pretty much everywhere else. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. You can download the free app or you can go to anchor.fm. Enjoy, and now let's get back to the Coffee and sock Sessions with me, Pranil. Ah, there we go. Perfect. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Good, man. So good to see you again. It's been a long time. I know. It's been a
1: very long time. You're looking really cool in your... I don't know a professional situation
0: there with your backdrop. Oh no, it's just my wall. It's not as it's not as impressive as you might think. It's just a wall in my lounge. I had some some frames up like but they uh I just took them off for the for this because they kept reflecting pretty badly. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm just like chilling. I, we got the black walls done during lockdown. I think we wanted a change. Oh, cool. so looks good. It's just black walls and bright colors so it's either red or white everything is cool so pretty cool man and you yes a lot has changed since we last chatted since i've last seen you in fact
1: yeah um i don't even know when we last chatted but it must have been like four years ago yeah um yeah it's been a long time since i was last in south africa really
0: yeah, when did you move, actually?
1: So, um, I left Jo'burg in 2017.
0: Sure, um, it's been three years already. Wow.
1: Yeah. So, that was April of 2017, and um, and yeah, it's been quite an adventure since then. It's been, it's been amazing. But <laughs> yeah. most definitely, I do miss home a lot.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Especially now, during lockdown. You guys are in lockdown again. Eh? How's that?
1: Yeah, so we're—it's weird actually because um, it's well, it's not as serious as the first lockdown. Obviously, yeah. it is, it's still a lockdown, but kids are still allowed to go to school. Universities are still functioning, um, mm-hmm. so and a lot of businesses are still allowed to, you know, continue. So it's not as severe, but it's definitely got that vibe about it. Um, but you know what? I mean, I—I I was not expecting a second lockdown at all and when it happened i was i couldn't believe it but you know once you get over the shock of it and you realize that okay certain things you can't do for this month Mm. um yeah it's like actually a good time to just chill out to to just regroup and and potentially get organized for the next season ahead
0: yeah i'm sure um and that's the thing, but you're you're like you've got a pretty sweet setup. You've got some nice natural views. You you've got it doesn't really feel like much. Were you in the same uh, area during the first lockdown?
1: Yeah, we we've been in this marina now for um, since we got to the UK to live, which was a year eighteen months ago. Mm. Um, so we've been in the same marina, living on a boat, and yeah it's, look it's a beautiful place to have lockdown if you're going to have a lockdown it's a wonderful place to do it because you've got nature around you i look out mm. the windows and there's like farmland and it's really quaint it's like really pretty a pretty place it's much better than being in an, an apartment block in the middle of birmingham you know looking at a concrete wall
0: or joeberg so, for that matter
1: okay
0: hey? or joburg for that matter that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> true yeah uh, at least, you know, so I, I'm really grateful for that. And um, and it's been wonderful living on a boat. Just, I mean, it's got its challenges, of course, but mm. it's been a, an incredible experience.
0: How did that happen? Because I remember the one day I just saw a picture and you were like, we bought a boat. And that was it. And now you're living on a boat and then you're I saw your boat, something happened to your boat for a while, so you were living in a in a cool little like R V type situation and then now you're back in the boat. And it's actually really cool. I saw like a pic of you as well just doing yoga. Maybe it was just an Instagram pose, we don't know. But uh, you were chilling <laughs> you've got a little like jetty um that you were just chilling on around the water. That's I mean, that was pretty Pretty therapeutic yeah, to I mean, look
1: that's, at. That's right outside this window. Um, you know, being in the marina, you you moor up, so that it's a narrow boat, so it's only two meters wide, but it's like twenty one meters long, so it's like really mm. long and thin. It's a really awkward space to live in, <laughs> um, but you kind of get used to it. It's like a tiny house. Yeah. And you, you know, it's pretty cramped. So we're in my office right now, and this is as big as it is. Nice. Um, but this also functions as like the boot room and where we hang our coats up and where i store my guitars and shoes and you know whatever it's like multi but outside the window uh we moored up against this pontoon which is like mm-hmm. a jetty and so at least you have access to the full side of the boat and that's where in the summertime i was doing my yoga and on the roof of the boat because the weather was so beautiful and as you know, I'm sure you do know that the British summers are so short and fleeting that you just have to like enjoy them to the max because they yeah. really are really beautiful, but it is very short. So, yeah. And now we're into autumn and it's getting cold and yeah, it's going to be a long winter.
0: <laughs> yeah, winter is coming.
1: Yes, it, it is.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's heating up like pretty hectically. I mean, I was. Uh, in Durban for a bit and it was sweltering so I grew up in Durban but I haven't I've lived in Joburg now for close to 15 years or 16 years um, so for those who don't know Joburg and Durban Durban is very humid it's at the coast and Joburg is very dry because it's it's the high felt it's it's up more inland and Durban was so humid it was actually like, I changed at least three times a day. I showered at least five times a day. You walk out the shower, you're sweating. And we had a wedding. So we were dressed in like a suit whatever. And it was oh, already God. like, yeah. And it's already super kind of uncomfortable because it's during COVID. So there's all these restrictions and you have to wear a mask all the time. So it's already like you're out of your comfort zone and it was swelting, I swear. It was just sweat. and now i've come up to Joburg and it's completely dry it's absolutely dry and it's and both places were above 30 degrees um pretty much the whole time wow
1: yeah it's incredible i mean one thing that i will that i can definitely say and i'm sure most south africans that live abroad will say that they miss the weather um along with multiple other things but um i would say that for south africans and and growing up where we grew up and the the lifestyle and the outdoor mm. lifestyle and the weather that we're used to and then moving abroad to say somewhere like this where i live now um just south of birmingham so mm. the middle of england the midlands um the weather is it really takes toll on 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 sunshine people that we are yeah. you know we're sunshine people so um, it takes a lot of getting used to, and, and I just, you know, this last winter, last December, um, was my first winter here, and mm. it was, it was definitely, it was definitely hard, just because yeah. of the lack of light. I mean, now it's just gone three o'clock here, and this, and I, we have one, maybe one and a half hours of sunlight left, and then it's gone. So it it takes a lot of getting used to. And, you know, in South Africa, I used to take take that for granted.
0: Yeah. I mean, here now, it's like close to 7. It gets sun goes down in Java a little later as well as we start peaking into summer. I mean, it's it's super bright. It looks like it's 9 a.m. here right now. Um, And it's weird because when I was in the U.K., I've been there two or three times. And every time I was there, it was during the winter. And every single time it was super hot. I I experienced the 27 to 32 degree um, temperature range. It was insane. It was every time I've been there, there's been some sort of weather phenomenon that everyone couldn't believe. So I've never actually experienced. (laughs) I brought the sunshine. So I've never actually experienced this. I mean, I've experienced the European, like I spent some time in Switzerland and Austria and Germany. Um, and I experienced proper, especially in Austria, we did snowboarding there. So that was about minus 22. So I experienced the cold, but with the U with like England in particular, I have literally not experienced it. And that's the one place we always say as Africans, like, oh my God, it's like, you'll get so depressed if you're a sunshiny person, you've got to be so careful with your mental health and stuff. And yeah. it's weird.
1: Well, I know you haven't experienced it, but all everything that they say is, is true about it, that you have to be quite like thick-skinned. And I guess that's why there's so much, um, you know, they make such a big deal out of out of festivals like Christmas and, mm. and all the traditional stuff because, you know, in the middle of winter, opposite to the Southern Hemisphere, of course, the middle of winter is Christmas. So it's like something to look forward to in the darkest time of the year. And to be honest, I've never had such a festive, winter time before. Yeah. I guess because they make it so, so no, it's exciting. beautiful.
0: There's like so markets cool. everywhere yeah. and glue vine everywhere. Yeah. It's it's really like it's super special. Yeah. No wonder yeah, like you say, no wonder it's the favorite part of the year for a lot of European countries because yeah. it's it's through the cold you have these amazing markets, everyone's just in a festive spirits, so you've got glue vine. So that always oh, helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so I guess it is, it is this pretty, it's a very picturesque time as well. I think it's growing up, we always used to see the the white Christmases on, on television as kids in South Africa. I remember it was like, wow, it's so amazing, like a white Christmas, because we all never experienced that. I think it doesn't snow much, uh, if ever. Yeah, um exactly. th- There's been a few crazy times. I think 2012, it snowed in Joburg. That was, was it 2012 or something like that, 2008 or something. No, it was any job, yeah, and it just randomly snowed, um, but that was about it. So, yeah, why why did you leave actually?
1: So, by the beginning, yeah. So basically, I mean, I was doing music, as you know, in South Africa for mm. a good ten years, and um, and and we did really well. We had some really great shows. We had some fantastic times, and I loved it. I think after about 10 years, I started to feel as though I'd hit some kind of ceiling, whether it was there or not. I don't know, but I just felt like I was doing the same circuit, doing the same things. And it wasn't really changing when I, I couldn't feel any growth happening. It was at that point that I realized that I need to like make a change in my Mm. life. And there was an opportunity for us to, um, pack up our house in Melville, rent, rent the place out and, and go and have a new experience. So we decided to, well, we joined yachting. So we started in France, and we joined the yachting industry. And that's what we did for about two years, me and my partner. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, I kind of just had a break from music, like a complete break. I think I needed that. be honest because there's only you know i recorded my fifth album just before i left which was weird but that's what happened (laughs) the timing was a little bit wrong but um so i recorded this album released it and then packed up and left wow and then i took a break from music for those two years that we would that we were in the yachting business and it was at that point that i started to really like crave creativity again started to feel that thing that I hadn't felt for a while like when you have a break from something it makes you realize what you love about it what yeah. you miss about it and so we traveled and we went to the states and we went around and I played open mics here and there but never really did anything big
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then it was it got to a point where you couldn't travel for so long you kind of need to go home at some point
2: yeah
1: so I thought well why don't we settle in the UK and see what that's like um and see if i can do music again in a different place to a different audience and potentially grow as an artist and so 18 months ago we came to settle here and it's been quite an adjustment in a lot of different ways and i'm only just getting to a point now where i start to understand how things work here culturally um you would think because we speak the same language that we're on the same page but that's not how that's not the case yeah it was a lot of of getting used to, and then and then musically starting from scratch. You know, no one knows me here. No one knows my history. No one cares who I am. So it was quite challenging and exciting as well to start again and not have any preconceived ideas about what it was that you'd done before, yeah. what was in the past. And so slowly but surely, started to build some gigs. Um, do make some connections but then lockdown happened and you know this summer was supposed to be nice. the summer where I was going to be playing some really nice festivals around uh, the UK and and kind of make the most of the summer to the season which which obviously didn't happen
0: yeah but it's
1: okay um you know there's always next summer there's still time and
0: lots of creative juices
1: yeah absolutely well i've been writing you know i've been writing some material and i've been keeping busy like you know when we first arrived here i had to just get a job so i was i'm actually i work at a hotel well it's not functioning at the moment but i i work in i've always been in hospitality so i worked in a hotel locally and i still do work there but um not not this month obviously because of lockdown
0: Mm.
1: and then i and that's a part-time job And then i have another part-time job where i work at a mechanic and I do his books and his and his bookkeeping.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) It's
1: a nice contrast because it's kind of like um like at the hotel it's like, you know, tie, jacket, suit jacket, like yes, checking people in, checking people out, hotel reception. So um so that's one thing and then and then I go to the (laughs) I go to the mechanic and it's just like grease monkeys and like dogs lying under the table and like (laughs) so coffee cups with like coffee for three days old in them and, and it's just really rough and rustic
0: and it's not good coffee either so you know it goes very bad very quickly <laughs>
1: but, but i like that i like the rusticness of it i like yeah. the kind of rough and ready part and so those are my jobs that i do and then obviously there's um the music side as well which i'm always working on and yeah. um writing and 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 trying to you know find gigs and 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 get out and break it really in this country um i had a lovely opportunity recently where i was chosen for artist of the week in my area which is worcestershire
2: yes I've on the BBC saw
1: introducing station mm. and they you know made a big deal out of it played a lot of the records um so that was really nice that was You know, a really nice way of, a kind of, kind of being introduced to people
0: here. Yeah, because I mean, dude, you like you say, you kind of you were here for a long time for ten years in the industry. You really dominated. I mean, you had such an amazing following, and you always have that following. I think that's the thing with your audiences. You're that type of artist. Loyalty goes wherever you go, type of thing. And you really did reach such. you really reach like a pinnacle. You set such a high benchmark, not just for yourselves, but for other artists wanting to get into the same genre of music. And when I had seen that you were moving, I was like, this is really cool because you speak to Josie and you look at Josie and she's very chilled and then she starts singing and you actually don't know where this voice is coming from. It's one of the most incredible voices I've ever heard. I remember when I first listened to uh, Leyland, that's and I, and I, that was my first introduction to you uh, when I started at UJFM, and I was like, my God, who is this? Um, I saw Josie Field, and I was like, okay, cool. This is a British artist, you know. I was maybe being a bit stereotypical with the name. I was like, but it just sounds. It was at a time where the the label of South African music wasn't where it is now. I mean, this was the early like two thousand and six, somewhere around there. So anything we heard, we always had this terrible thing as South Africans are, oh, this is so cool. It's she sounds so international. And now when you say that it it doesn't make sense because our music is the quality is so exceptional. But you were already there and that's why everyone or me, I even thought, where's this girl from? And I found out you was South African and then began the journey to follow Josie Field and kind of go to as many gigs as possible. And it, it's so weird because I was thinking when I was trying to when I was thinking about everything i remembered when i was at UJFM. every time i played your track uh when i did my shows your dad would always message me he would always call me your dad became the plug your dad was your biggest plug because every time i heard a track he would drop me a message on the sms line or he'd go into my ujfm facebook group uh or he'd call in and say thanks Or when I would fill in on the weekends, he would always call in and say, please, can you play some Jersey Field? And he, it was so cool. I had this relationship with your dad based on your music. And we would just literally, he would call in sometimes and in between tracks, I would just have these long conversations and he would fill me in every week. He would fill me in on exactly where Jersey is, what Jersey's doing uh when her music's dropping and it was actually it was actually so cute Uh, and now i still follow him we're still friends on facebook with him so i still see like you know his journey and now he's like living his best life there uh, i think in cape town with an amazing view
1: (laughs) (laughs) true well thank thank you for being so accommodating with him you know my biggest fan of course is my dad Um, and I think everyone, including yourself on UJFM knew him well, and, and we're like, oh my God, not Mr. Field again. (laughs) Here he is. Come to call in. Is there no one else listening out there? Just him. (laughs) So yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and of course those early days, you know, um, that was amazing. It was an amazing time of my life. Um just in terms of how quickly things moved and how they evolved and, mm. and the connections that were made between myself and other musicians, myself mm. and other industry people like yourself, and just how I started to explore the scene as, as a new artist. I mean, mm. Leyland was my second album, but that was the one that was first critically acclaimed and, and, and was nominated for SAMA Awards and, mm. and such. So, so that was kind of the intro. Um and it was a beautiful, beautiful time, and that was yeah. a long time ago. You know that album dropped in two
0: thousand eight. No way! It's been twelve yeah. years.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Twelve years already, and and nineteen eighty four was when that was your first so album.
1: Nineteen eighty four. So. So Mercury was the first album.
0: Oh, Mercury, correct. Yeah,
1: nice. and then there was um Leyland, Then Leyland Then nineteen eighty four. And then there was Spongy Le and then I did a couple albums with Laurie Levine, fantastic yeah. singer songwriter as well. Mm, mm. And we teamed up and did that Tiger Lily album, which was, which also went down extremely well. Mm. And then when I finished, and just before I left South Africa, I recorded, you know, the final album, which was called Indie Soul, Indie and that song. was more, um, you know, they had tracks like Yolo on it, and and I think at the time you were, you were programming somewhere one of the
0: stations and i think you were playing some of that stuff anyway oh yeah at yfm yeah yes
1: that's right
0: at YFM. yeah so um so oh, you yeah even played sorry you even played a show at yfm i remember i got you for our live
1: that's live right, Rewide, our
0: live session yeah yes i remember wow forgot that about was that so cool and that was amazing i mean i remember that night i was with my crew and they were. The guys filming it, and every time you started singing, it would literally. And they were like these very kind of like hardcore guys, you know, very manly men. And every time you'd start a song, I would just hear them sing, "Yes, oh my god!" And I, it was that's when I knew. I mean, I always knew with your voice. It was just it's so poetic. There's something so special about it. Um, but when I heard those guys that react the way they did, I was like, "Yeah, exactly." And this is why she's here, and this is why the station should always and the station always did support local artists irrespective of what the genre was because yeah. the, the good music shouldn't be kind of like confined to a particular radio station or a particular format if something's good I believe it should be good and that was really why really, FM was so good at I mean I got I remember when I produced the show it was so fun because I got to um, I got to get bands like on Knife Gang and Good luck and Christian Tiger School and Tidal Waves, who were like my one of my favorite bands oh, yeah. of all oh, yeah. time, and that was so exciting. Having like people like you on it was just so special, man. And yeah, it's so oh, crazy. I completely forgot about that.
1: Yeah, well, so did I actually. And and thank you for you know ha- making those opportunities available to artists. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's been an incredible journey, and and it's people like you that that make the you know the scene so much better and so much more rich and and are able to also introduce artists to new audiences that perhaps would never have you know mixed you know what i mean or connected yeah, yeah. on some level so yeah thank you for that all was amazing. Everything that you've done
0: no it's an absolute pleasure it's, it's uh it was really it's amazing it was an amazing journey it really has been um but when you moved, did you have to complete a certain number of albums with the label? You were with Sony.
1: No, I was with Gallo.
0: With Gallo. So
1: Warner, Warner Brothers. Is Warner. Um, but there was, back in my day, <laughs> there was this offshoot, the South African version, which was Gallo Records. Yeah. And they did really well for, for a long time, I believe. Mm. Um, and I, I was signed to them for a three-album deal. Um, It just didn't really work out at the end. You know, the first album went really well. Second album went really great. And by the time 1984 came around, the people that I was working with, there had all left. Mm. The label manager that was in charge of my stuff wasn't really interested in what I was doing. And and yet I was forced to, you know, complete this album. And so by the time I'd released it and done it, I was like, I guess because the label wasn't really behind what I was trying to do Mm. um and then we just didn't you know we weren't connecting properly on that level anyway I finished my deal there and I left and then I was independent and then thereafter I recorded two albums with Laurie Levine recorded two of my own all independently all Mm. funded you know um, privately and and it was good life was good because I was in control I and found that in control of what I was doing and look, it was hardcore, like, you know if you are an independent independent artist, I think a lot of people think it's just about like, you know people used to ask me, like, well, if you're not playing and you're not like, on stage, what do you actually do with your day? If you just sleep all day? It's like, I are you mad? Are I you hate crazy? that. <laughs> it's like, are you are you insane? Do you know that this <sighs> whole business side to the creative, the creativity is like one small part of it, unfortunately, it's the small part.
0: It's the smallest part, yeah.
1: It's, it's the important part, but it's... And obviously, nothing else could happen without it happening. But it's the smallest part in the puzzle. And once mm. you've done that part, you need to do the business part. And obviously, that's where the hard work lies.
2: Yeah.
1: So, you know, I that's what we did it full time. And it was great. I loved it. And there's something really special about running your own business.
2: Yeah.
1: I you know um, <laughs> very very cool so yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm hoping to to get to a point where all I do once more is is music and and practicing yoga like um, I I want to ideally get to a point where I'm writing songs for other artists
2: yeah.
1: and and performing here and there but mostly just focusing on the writing Um. So um, um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna hope for. That's what I'm aiming towards.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, why not? I mean, you're an incredible songwriter, and you did re-record some of your tracks as well, right? because obviously the masters would sort have of belonged to the label. Um, yeah, so, you would have so, so some that of was a way.
1: Stuff. So that was a way of me like giving them the finger. <laughs> <laughs> <Being> <laughs> to, <laughs> Good. Um, uh, to release to release stuff. You know, and sell because I had to. I mean, I don't know if, if South Africans know this about well the old days when we used to sell CDs and such. Um, like I used to buy my stock from the label. Like I used to have to buy my CDs from like a retailer would, like a shop would, mm. and and I paid those prices. So when it came to making my own record, I did like an unplugged version of some of those tracks. And then I was able to take full profits for, for those tracks, which was really helpful as a South African artist.
0: Because it's, it's interesting because now a lot of the labels are doing this new 360 deal thing. Um, obviously when when CDs started to, to take her off and now it's, the big thing is the 360 deal. So a percentage of every single thing that the artist does, whether it be gigs, whether it be merchandise, whether it be tours. And and that's that's gotten quite tricky. And then now we're in the age of digital streaming. So it's got even more tricky because not everyone fully understands exactly how the streaming thing works, especially when it comes to royalties. And I, I saw the other day something, it was something like five pence or something ridiculous for... I think like a hundred streams or something crazy when it comes to the streaming side of things. So I think like it's such a tricky time for artists. I mean, going through what you went through and now it's at an even more tricky time because at the end of the day, this music's a business and there are lots of people who make a lot of money from this business. And it's not necessarily the artist. I mean, the artists will make a certain amount and some of them will make more than others, but that's just because they're either getting more attention uh, from radio, whatever it might be, they're getting booked for more gigs. but when it comes to actual album sales it's it's so tricky I mean artists sometimes even end up owing the label money even after making these massive amounts of sales. I mean thirty seconds to Mars actually did an, a documentary on it called Artifacts, where they were in a battle with their label um and they were trying to get out of their contract. And it was a a deal they had signed in the early 90s. So, I mean, it's been over 20 years. There, obviously, Jared Leto became this massive superstar for movies and and, and music. And they were in this battle. It was like a six-month battle with the label trying to get out of this deal. And it got to the point where the label even started taking everything. They took their cell phones. they um, They took their hard drives, their laptops. I mean... In the documentary, I remember they were, he was playing on a piano and they were like, we want that, that we own that because you're assigned to us. So every single thing you do belongs to us. And yeah. it blew my mind. I think like, this is the stuff, especially in South Africa. I mean, now you'll hear it more because people are speaking up about it more because you don't need to be signed to it. But for a long time, I think, and even now, a lot of South Africans don't understand how this business works. And I think someone like you would would have had like some really great insights now that you're out of that system
1: yes, absolutely i mean i'm I would you know if I could look back, I mean I wouldn't have ever done anything different. I probably would have done it the same, but mm. um, now looking back i I would never sign an any kind of deal like willy-nilly without without really looking through it with a fine tooth comb i don't care how good it sounds like there's always something wrong with yes. it and it <laughs> always means that you to some degree have to give up a part of who you are in order to you know you you sacrifice a bit of either your creativity what it is that you want to achieve or the way that you want to sound in order to sign this deal in the hopes that you get to the place that you want to get to
2: which mm.
1: it's just a hope it may not necessarily be so and, and anyway, you could probably get there on your own just because of sheer will anyway
2: yeah
1: so so my advice to any young artists would be to just don't rush into any contracts don't rush signings or any dealings just take your time and go with your gut feel
0: yeah, I always, I always found that when I worked with a lot of artists as well, especially when I worked in the radio, in the radio space, you found a lot of artists kind of, they get their career off the ground, they start recording some tracks. And then what happens is they kind of, okay, cool, I need to get a manager. And they think that's the next step. And they get a manager and they leave everything to the manager and they don't actually know what's going on with everything else. I mean, they just report the tracks, give it to the manager um they assume the manager's taking it to stations, trying to get it played on radio. They assume from a booking point of view, the manager's taking care of business, they assume from a contractual point of view if they get an ad or the track gets licensed to to get an ad and everyone kind of they step away and I found such a common trend with the young artists that would think now that I've got a manager, I've made it and I don't have to do anything. And for me, I always used to tell people, this is when you should actually be more involved, especially in the beginning of your career, because you don't know what people are doing. You don't know what people's motives are. um, And you don't actually know if they know from a legal standpoint, what they're signing. Are they actually plugging music? I mean, we had times where managers would submit music and tell the artists that, um, I submitted it and they don't want to play it or they would say that I submitted the track but they wanted 10,000 rand to play it and then that's why I didn't get played and then we would we would, they would come to us and be like what's going on and like we've never heard of you before we've never heard your music we've never seen your music and it was such a, a big mistake I think and I couldn't stress it enough when I was working in that space and how telling artists like be involved with your music always know what's happening. I mean, the parlor tones, actually look at the parlor tones, what happened to them after how many years with their manager? I mean, they found out they didn't even have the rights to anything, not even the name. I mean, it, there was a massive thing with them. Yeah. Yeah. And those, and that's
1: just one of, you know, tons and loads and loads of stories. Um, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's nothing new. I think the important thing is if you're passionate about something and if you want it to work, you need to oversee it. You need to make sure. You need to follow up. You need to be the one. No one wants it more than you do. Yeah. So, well, you got to work for it.
0: And it it's your business. It's a business at the end of the day. It's not just you're a musician. It's a business. Like we like you said earlier, you run your your music career or your artistic career exactly like a business, and that's i mean that's what labels and managers do they run it like a business and that's how they're making the money so you should always do the same and know what's going on be in every single email be in every you don't have to always actively get involved but have oversight of so what's happening at all times i think it's so important yeah for sure yeah and it's it's interesting i mean obviously now you're exposed to a new audience and you know, you're getting, the BBC thing is great. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, this is really amazing. Um, this is really exciting. And I've seen like a few videos that you put up and stuff. And generally, how has the response been? I mean, where do you, do you record there? Do you have a little setup there? Do you-
1: I don't yet. I mean, the idea was to use this year as as a means to really start to lay the foundation of mm-hmm. of, of living on land, well, so <laughs> living in a country and as opposed to traveling. And then once you live in one place you can start to think of other things beyond, you know, where you're gonna sleep that night. So <laughs> so yeah. Staying in one place for eighteen months has really been helpful in order for me to like start my music thing off. But with unfortunately with this year it hasn't happened the way as always as quickly as I would have liked. Yeah. So I'm meeting with a couple of people, I've met some amazing people i just, I just want to keep meeting people because I feel like, you know, I don't want to start partnering or recording at the first studio that I find, you know what I mean? Like you want to be, yeah. you want to make sure that you with the right people, that you are connecting with other creatives on the same level or that you're going shooting for the same goal. Yeah. So that's really what I'm working towards. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening here. My sound is very, very different to everything else that I've heard around here, and the feedback that I've had um, so far, which you know there hasn't been much that I've been—I've only done a few things—has um, been really, really great. And um, yeah, I I just hope to continue on that path now, and and the idea being that next summer, which is um, you know next May, mm-hmm. that I'll able to line up a couple more festivals and do more touring locally yeah. and hopefully by that point well I've made a little goal for myself for this end of this month to record a little like very rough EP yeah. with the songs from this year and then so I have something to move forward with. Um, I'm still very closely connected with Kevin Leisha, who recorded and ah, produced yes. all of my albums she back played,
0: home. She used to play the percussion stuff for you right?
1: um no kevin kevin and i he produced all the albums and he's a multi-instrumentalist so of course he can play percussion but his main yeah i mean like
0: he used to play the drums and he used to do a whole lot of stuff for your live performances i think like he used to that's right but
1: mostly his main thing is guitar so toward the end of my years in south africa the two of us would always play a duet and he would play amazingly guitar and um so he's still in Joburg, you know he, he's a lecturer at city varsity in bronchantine um head, head of department of news, the sound department and he he does really well there. And, and we've always had a great relationship we are trying to figure out how we can bring that relationship to online where i can record send him stuff he can send it back and we kind of create digitally like that so I'm working on that I'm working on doing some demos locally and then obviously the live scene like as soon as we get back on the road again or we're mm. able to go out and play live music that's what I want to do um I feel like live is still a place where people connect you know mm. and and it's still a place where where people where you, where you someone would see your music and and believe what they see instead of hearing a production online that maybe or maybe not who you are Yeah. Um, the live the live place for me is still where it's at and that's where i want to meet other musicians and potentially you know play with other musicians um mm. so yeah i mean i've got all these i'm just really excited about the future i just i really am and, there, and there's a lot going on and it's just a case of you know being able to get out there and do it
0: yeah, I think that's what COVID, uh, this whole lockdown has taught us, like to do all the things we've always wanted to do. I mean, like you, you're you ready and I'm sure you're going to be more hungry than ever the moment you're allowed to hit that stage again and start to do live gigs. I mean, that's, that's what I think so many of us, like in any area of our life, we've all kind of neglected. We kind of assume work comes first or this comes first and that comes first. And I'll get to this one day and now you get to a stage where you realize can't do the things I love or all those other things. And now I'm stuck and I haven't taken time off for myself. So I think like, we're all kind of going to be super hungry. I mean, like with this podcast, I've been wanting to do this for almost two years. And then I finally decided, you know what? Like if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Cause my life's only going to get more hectic. I mean, I'm not single. I mean, if I have kids, like oh, things are going to change. You know what I mean? So I think that's what's really exciting.
1: like the present it's really is a case of like acknowledging that finally coming to that realization and then finding the time to do the things that you love that's Mm. that's all it is and it's up to you to make it happen i mean you you know one day i'm gonna wake up i'm gonna be 50 years old so i may as well do what i want to do now and, Mm. and quit waiting around like oh well you know next year will be better or this will be better it's like just get on with what you can do now take control of what you can control now, and and work toward that end goal. You know, with that in mind. Yeah.
0: Because it can all get ripped away. I think we've learned one thing: this is that everything can get ripped away within a second. I mean, people came into 2020 with jobs, and a lot of them have lost their jobs. People have lost their homes. People have lost a lot. But there's there's a lot of people that have lost a lot during this time. I mean. Some of us are very blessed and very fortunate to have been able to continue with work and keep our homes and have food on our table. But it's been like a really eye-opening time. And I think it's like learning from your mistakes is one thing, but learning from the mistakes of everyone around us. Not that everyone made a mistake, but I think we've all made that. We've been lucky to not have been punished for not taking time out for ourselves more than something, which is... We should look as as a blessing, you know what I mean? So I think like I remember my wife and I have been saying, if we don't learn from this now, then we don't deserve to go to make it out of whatever comes next, whatever challenge comes, around. because this has been an absolute sign. Like this is saying to us right now. If you don't do it now, you're gonna wake up. And I ne- I was never afraid of getting old until the one day I thought about the thing you just said, where you wake up in your fifty and that scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it scares the crap out of me. Like I I don't want I don't want that to be the case. Like I'm I s start thinking about getting to forty and I'm like, that scares me because there's yeah. so much we wanna do, you know what I mean? So
1: I know, so it's time to, like, crack on with the to-do list then, right?
0: Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. So, And, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Like, you're doing yoga now. You're teaching yoga class. Is that something that you always were interested in, or is it just something that you needed as a kind of an escape as well? I mean, and it's very good for creativity.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's always been part of my life. Like, I was introduced to yoga as a teenager. My mum practiced it i would join her when she went to her classes and i just loved it i I always loved it Mm -hmm. and i did it on and off throughout my life and then in 2016 2017 i decided right well i love this thing so much i would love to share it with other people Mm -hmm. so let me take my um teacher training course which i did in Joburg before i left um with a wonderful teacher and natalie who runs a school there Anyways, she, she taught me so much, and she taught me how to share this amazing gift of yoga. And so there was a time when I was traveling where I practiced it for myself, but I couldn't really teach it. And this year, I managed to get to a place where I'm now teaching at two different studios. Um, and, and it's incredible. I think, for me, yoga and music just balance each other so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both creative in terms of teaching yoga, you know, with the sequencing and everything. So that's the creative side. Um, It's also just soul food. I love keeping healthy. I love, you know, moving and I love movement, and stretching and breathing. And I think that's really important for all of us people that sit at a desk all day, you know, we need to do more of that, basically.
2: Yeah.
1: Um so so I just found the combination just really beautiful and and it's I'm hoping that, you know, those two will just I'll just keep doing those forever. I mean, with yeah. lockdown, those are the two funnily enough things that, that have been cut off um because of, you know, not being able to get into gyms or, or yoga studios or, or play live music. Mm. But those are the two things that I love most. So I'm hoping, um, with any luck that we're we're going to make it through this pandemic and um and next year we you know we're going to get back to a sense of normality but with the lessons that we've learned from 2020 behind us and and make us even more driven to to do you know to use our time well and to do what we need to do in life to to get to where we want to get to and, and what is our big goal actually and what do mm. do want out of life really and yeah. what is important you know that's what 2020
0: has kind of been for me and also to see the value in ourselves i think uh, uh, you look back a lot of people we undervalue ourselves and what we bring to the table i mean i think we get caught in this thing of i'm gonna do this not because i want to i'm gonna do it because i have to because i've got to eat and that's completely understandable but you keep banging on this door because you you have this constant yearning for something more, but you're scared to do it. And then that's when you get undervalued because you kind of say yes to everything, say yes to everything. And before you know it, you're doing 30,000 things and maybe one of them is what you actually wanted to do. And now you feel like you can't take a leap of faith. So it, I've noticed that like a common trend where, and myself included, where you kind of feel like, you didn't give yourself enough credit. I think this is the time where we needed to take a step back, reflect, and also, like, as much as we put as much emphasis and joy into the things we do, also ourselves as well. I think lockdown, I think, scared a lot of people because we were forced to kind of face our fears, face our thoughts, and deal with ourselves. And, I mean, I thank God I wasn't alone, like, I don't know. It would have been really hectic, um, but for I think people that spent a lot of lockdown in solitude, it must. It's it's a really scary thing. If people who didn't spend it in solitude found it a bit scary, facing all of, all of these truths, everything I'm saying, everything you're saying, it's like all these truths that we've been kind of running away from for so long, and now 2020 just said you're gonna face them this year. Will be the year you're going to face them and it's been it's been scary there has been a scary part of it.
1: yeah but there's i mean like you said there's always i mean there's a gift in in this mm-hmm. there's been a gift for us to just stop slow down and figure out you know what we're doing and yeah. and and as much as it has been scary to look in the mirror and have to face yourself i think through that you can always find growth you know you can always find some lesson. Um, yeah. to help move us forward. So, yeah, I mean, when all is said and done, the world, maybe the world, kind of
0: needed it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it it didn't have to be so dramatic to us, but I think we. <laughs> I always <laughs> wanted, <laughs> I always wanted it. I said, you know what? I'd give anything to just be forced. I always used to dream about waking up one day in winter and it's literally snow everywhere, and it, the we we can't go anywhere we're blocked in the snow the roads are closed i used to honestly always think about it i'd wake up in the mornings i was like i just wish this could happen just for a few days where we, we all we do is we sit inside in our house and you're just watching tv and you're lying under the covers and you're just eating whatever you want to eat and you don't have to stress about anything uh yeah, well uh, five years later, five years later, it, it's taken a whole year, and we still don't know what's gonna, what's gonna happen. So, I don't know, but it it has been quite hectic for you guys as well. I mean, the world has been in a weird space. I mean, obviously with the elections happening in the states, COVID yeah. happening, uh, the Black Lives Movement uh, stuff happening. South Africa has been going through. We've got our own things that we're going through. Um, but something that really shook the world up was this election. And I know like I saw a lot of people from the UK getting super involved in in what is happening in the States. It it was crazy. Um, Were you like around people in that area where it was kind of like a really big talking point because the whole world stopped for a few days.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The the world did stop. And I mean, I was following it on 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 social media and and that. Um, I don't really watch too much TV, so I didn't really keep up that way. But um, but yeah, I, I was actually speaking to a woman the other day, and she said she she was telling me a story about how some family member of hers, when when Trump came into power. She, or she at the time she was living in in the U.S. When Trump came into power, she actually like moved out of the country. Like that's how wow. strongly she felt about it. And then when he and now she's moving back. Like, <laughs> like how how weird that it's like wow. you, I never thought of basing where I lived on a president, but I, why wouldn't you? Like that would make so much more sense. Like right. you want to live where people share the same ideas or as you or you you feel like some kind of connection or that you have these agreements that you that you stand by yeah so that was that was interesting but well
0: look at the number of people that have left south africa and gone to australia you know like comedians often joke mary i'm leaving i'm going to australia you know it was such a common thing it's like the moment anything happens they're like okay cool everyone's moving to australia again so i guess it makes sense i just think like I think the Trump thing really caught people off guard when he got elected. I think no one, and one, I, I don't know, like it was the less of, there were two evils in mean, Hillary Clinton and Donald yeah. Trump. They weren't really spoiled for choice to be quite honest.
1: Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, as much as I, I don't, I don't follow politics that closely. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really thrilled that, that you know, there's been this incredible movement or shift of energy, should yeah. I say? Yes, say that, yeah. Um, because uh, uh, so, that's good. Let's let's change it up. Let's shake it up. Let's do something different and see what happens. So I'm excited for I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. So we, yeah. We're in for a very interesting two years. It's funny how suddenly there's a vaccine that's kind of ninety percent. The moment trump 's out of the news breaks, and suddenly there 's a vaccine that's that effect <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the conspiracy theorist in me just says this is the timing of this is it 's just too much I think uh, yeah. so I always find this stuff interesting. I mean we know that this this whole virus has become like a political. Uh, porn for a lot of people with stuff. So. so it's crazy that's a whole other other rabbit hole I mean I was yeah. never really interested in politics so much but I've become so fascinated with politics but more American politics I'm very fascinated by American history and I think the more I got into that the more they, they go hand in hand the history of everything is where the political landscape um, heads eventually in, in 10 years it's kind of like a lot of it's big picture thinking I mean, now people are saying Joe Biden probably won't last six months. He's probably going to have like some sort of mental breakdown and Kamala Harris is going to take over. So then and people are saying that's like the kind of the plan they're making. Like that's why they were pushing for Joe together. Um, Cause wow. yeah, he's also got some crazy mental issues. Um, it's, wow. I mean, he's old. I mean. Yeah.
1: I mean, there was a short time where I was living in, in uh, Florida, uh, I don't know two years ago mm. and I must say with my first time in in the US and I'd always dreamt about going to you know to America and, and seeing the place I always had this like big pull to go there I don't know if that was because in South Africa we were quite Americanized in our, our culture mm. in our um, just the way this like Joburg for instance where I grew up and where I lived all of my life in South Africa you know the way that it, the city planning um drive-throughs, uh, the way restaurants are. It's like big, you know, strip malls and, and you know, that's all Americanisms. And, and so when I went to America, I just felt quite at home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really? I was,
1: yeah. I was like, wow. Uh, well, I only ever spent time in Florida. I, that's the only state that I visited. And I loved it. I mean, sure, it's got its differences. But just from a, from a lot of point of views, like we – I mean it was like being in a movie because the americans are that funny and that outrageous but but the other parts of it were like wow this feels quite easy going i feel like this is Mm. a culture that i could easily slip into Mm. um and i loved it and to be honest i i would love to go back to the states and travel more potentially do a road trip across and see more of the landscape and meet more of the people because I know that it's a really diverse place and just yeah. from the few people that I did meet while I was there I was blown away by the, you know, the friendliness and I guess in a way a lot of that same can be said for South Africa, like tourists that come to South Africa they always say, people are so friendly, you know, mm. and the service is so great, people are so open and, we and, have and the happy internet. to see
0: you. And we have okay? the internet and we don't have lions running around.
2: Yeah, okay. we have time.
0: smartphones. <laughs> 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 oh, all gosh. Right. No, it's true. I mean, like, the one thing that always blew my mind about America was how big everything is. Like, even the people. Like, I'm, I'm not a big person, but I don't feel tiny in South Africa. But when I was there, it's like everything felt bigger. Like, the people just felt, like, so much bigger. Everyone looked big. Even, like the women were like t- so much taller than the average South African. It's just everything. Yeah. It's like everything your, your heart's kind of um, desired. It's like, it's the big, big world of Hollywood and America's the land of the free. And it, yeah, it's really, it, it, I think you know, what's I, nice. I, I love it. Yeah. I'm, no, it's I'm, amazing. Cause there's something in it for everyone.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know it's got its problems, huge problems and lots of places have problems the UK has got its own problems I don't know if there's any place on earth that doesn't but um, I enjoyed my time there and I'd love to spend some more time there and I'd also love to come home to South Africa and spend some time there obviously
2: Mm.
1: not being able to to visit this year has been really heartbreaking Um, obviously all my family are still in South Africa my dad is based in in Cape Town Mm. Um, so this year has been in terrible in terms of, you know, families being split apart over the world, like all over the world. Um, mm. You know, modern age, we we, all, we live in different cities and we just take it for granted that you can catch a flight and, you know, jump on a plane and go there.
2: Yeah.
1: And this year hasn't been that. So, yeah, I can't wait to to see my family. I can't wait to fly back to South Africa and breathe that South African air and smell <sighs> you know, the brine. The South African water. <laughs>
0: yeah what how crazy is that we take that for granted you go to the UK and you can't drink water drink without the tap I mean it's these simple things it's like everyone drinks bottled water it's, it's, it's funny it's funny how we we take these little things for granted and it's such a and honestly like I think that's what Would kill me is that I love drinking water out of the tap so much I can't every time I walk past the tap I have to drink water out of the tap, and it would I would probably drink so much less water if I had to live somewhere like the UK where you can't just always do that. Well, most parts of the world I think South Africa's got like we're like the top three or top five drinking water in the world. So oh yeah,
1: and and when when you haven't been when you've been away from South Africa for a while and you come home and you. And you shower, like I experienced this once before after being away for like nine months a couple of years ago. I came back to South Africa, had my first shower after a long flight, mm. and I just like I could just something the smell of the water I don't know, <laughs> it doesn't even have a smell, but like it could have a smell.
0: Like, no, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying.
1: It's like, wow, okay, I'm home. It's so, yeah.
0: Cool. Down, it's crazy. Down to the water. You you actually visited NASA when you were in the states, if I remember correctly. Right.
1: Yeah, that was cool, man. I yeah. love that. In fact, when we were pulling into the parking lot, we were just listening to some. Around, we were road tripping around Florida at that mm. time, and um, and we were just had the radio station on. I don't know what station, and then they started playing, like the Foo Fighters "Learn to Fly," oh. like on, and as we were pulling into the NASA where these big space rockets are just like sticking out of the earth and there's like oh, American flags nice. everywhere and it was just like the most epic <laughs> on arrival and then it was like right we're at NASA and then obviously to see the place well that was the bonus but it was more like the intro song that came on uh, at that moment.
0: You actually forgot your South African for a second you saw the flags you heard the song and you're like oh it's <laughs> good to be American. Yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was like all these space rockets. You know, it was like everything that's everything that's made of industry and metal and 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 rocket fuel and everything that's like not eco-friendly. Yeah. All in one day, I had my fill. What you needed
0: to eat was like a massive Big Mac at NASA, and then you are winning. That was the perfect perfect. Yeah,
1: and like a giant Coke. Absolutely.
0: Not even the diets. Just like a proper Coke. Are you, is that something that fascinates you, like space and astronomy? Is that like one of your yeah, your big things sure. that you wonder about at night? Like, Absolutely. do aliens exist?
1: Yeah. Um. In fact, I get it from my dad. His favorite conversation of all time is about space. So ah. if you ever want to have a chat to Mr. Field again, just mention space, and he will be on a rocket, like on the conversation <laughs> about it. So... So I get my fascination from him. You know, as a kid, we used to go outside and lie on our backs, like in the garden yeah. and just watch and see if we could see a shooting star. Gosh. And um, and he always used to say, you know, think of how far away the sun is. Like think of billions of light years. And, and it was just like, it blow your mind, you know, and I don't really know many facts or anything like that, but I just yeah. know that it's it's incredible and yeah i
0: I wish that he was with me when i went to nasa because he would have loved it oh i'm sure he would have been in his element yeah
1: because
0: that's what always fascinates me is that i think i love it as all my dad i get it from my dad as well my dad is a massive like astronomy he always he loves the stuff so much and i got it from him and what always like blows my mind to the point where it actually scares me is that It's so big. You you can't fathom just how big it is. I mean, when they say we're literally like a speck in our galaxy alone, like when you think outside of that, you're like, I can't. Your brain just, it kind of like, it wants to explode, like literally wants to explode because you can't actually fathom it. And I think... And then I start to think, uh, are we alone? Are there aliens? You know. And then you start watching all these documentaries and you start watching these stories of people who say they've had encounters with it. And then I watched a, a podcast recently with Joe Rogan where the guest, the guy said he, he was actually part of um, a program that was involved with um, alien crafts, basically and he was explaining what these things look like and where they were and it was like part of area 51 so it was just and then and then you just go down a rabbit hole and you just start believing anything and everything so i think space it's like one of those things that you it's like conspiracy theories the jfk jfk conspiracy it's like if you think too much, you actually your mind starts to hurt because you're not going to get the answer you're looking for. I think that's, oh, what
1: you
0: know. I think that's what like drives us crazy. Yeah, I
1: mean i I love I love that stuff, but there's a you know as you know there's no answer. You're not going to get an answer. You can think about what it could be, but yeah.
0: That's what frustrates me. I want to know all the things. I just want to be the director of the CIA for one day. Just give me one day. I don't even want to be the president of America because it's the CIA guys that know everything. They know all Yeah, this that's
1: true, actually. They do. Yeah.
0: So, no, it's, it's very interesting. So I think, like, um, when we look back at, like, everything you've done, you've actually lived a really fulfilling and very full life. I mean, it's not complete in your mind it'll never be complete you've lived more than a lot of people have but i think you really have lived a fascinating life like looking back and talking about it today for me i was like hmm i mean i was always fascinated by you as a musician and then you look back you moved to the uk you you worked on yachts you went to america you literally have an amazing nasa story with an amazing soundtrack um (laughs) You bought a boat, you're living on a boat, you're teaching yoga, you're like restarting your music career where you get to rebrand yourself. And it's it's a really, really special story. And like, I think you look at peace and you look happy with everything. It, it kind of feels right for you. I, I kind of always felt um, that this was kind of like your vibe. Like this was kind of somewhere you always wanted to head to and you just needed that sign for when the time was right. Yeah.
1: For sure. Well, thank you for saying all of the above. Um, I feel like my journey is is kind of just beginning. But I mean, it has been incredible so far. And it was funny, there was an interesting thing on Facebook. It was like, I don't know, it had a list of, of crazy, crazy things on like, and how many of these things have you done in your life? And so I looked at the list. And I was like, it was like you're you're crazy or you're really adventurer you've ticked more than five things and I and I looked at it and I was like, Wow, yeah, I've done I've done like most of those things except been arrested and gone to prison. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I you know, when I think back to the the old days in South Africa and, and and when I was playing music and when we were touring a lot and we did some crazy things. Like the one time we, we played in Harry Smith at, at a Woodstock that was there the one year. I don't even know what year it was. Wow. And then we caught a private jet to <laughs> to Margate on the South Coast because we had a gig there on the same day. And we had to get there within a certain time frame. And it just wasn't possible to drive as fast as you could fly. So we, we had a four-seater charter <laughs> plane come fetch us. What? And us. Yeah. And I just remember the pilot because it was like the pilot and then two seats facing backward and then two seats facing forward. And it was like the band and the pilot. And he was like, he put us in there. He like said, okay, here's some snacks. And he's like, don't open that door. And I was like,
0: <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> move. Don't worry I'm about the door. <laughs>
1: yeah. and, and then I think about other times like, there was a there was a time in 2010 when we had this, the FIFA World Cup come to South Africa. You know that was oh, such amazing. a special yeah. special celebration of South Africa, yeah. and I, I got the opportunity to to open for for Ziggy Marley. What? Yeah, at this one fan park, and it what? was like one of the most incredible highlights of my life was was meeting the guy and and having yeah. him you know play his dad songs, but like. He was a sitting image of, of Bob, and and my dad obviously is a huge Bob Marley fan, yeah. so because that's what I grew up on. Uh, aside many other things, and mm. he was like, my daughter and and Bob's son, <laughs> <laughs> Josie and Ziggy. I was like, oh my god, Dad! He
0: is living through you, like he is living his best life through you. <laughs> his best life that he's been living. Oh, yeah. and uh, That's so cool, man. I mean, does not that like such a special thing to think you're, you're in such close proximity to someone who is connected, the direct relative of someone like Bob Marley? I mean, like, I, I meet someone who met someone who met someone who knows Dave Grohl, and I feel cool. Now, you're literally, you know, like you, you're performing with Ziggy Marley, and I think I, I was once like super like 50 meters away from damien Marley, and i was like oh god this is the greatest day of my life and, <laughs> it's and so funny.
1: like why do we think that that meeting famous people is like epic why do we think that I th-
0: it's i think it's because we have like this certain there's an air about them and we want to meet them to see are they just like us i think with me if i think about it personally I try not to like fangirl. Sometimes I can't help myself. When, like when I got to meet David Beckham and Ryan Giggs, I could not help myself. Um, yeah. I I couldn't. But I think it's it's the fascination of you see them on TV your whole life, yeah, and growing up, and we we idolize a lot of these people, and you you just the thought of standing so close to them or interacting with them. It's like, it's such a far-fetched concept. We just, you know, the world seems so far away. America seems so far away. The UK seems so far away. Um, that when you meet these people, you're kind of like, are you like me? Because that's the thing. It's it's always about, are they like us? Yeah,
2: it's Do the they sleep?
0: It's It's the absolute curiosity. And you want to know. Like, for me, it's like, I uh, take a show that I love. Oh, mad men for instance take take mad men actually no let's take game of thrones because i'm watching that again because i only watched game of thrones for the first time during lockdown i actually avoided it and then actually watched it so now i'm watching it again and i look back and i look at a character like Amelia clark for instance and i think Gosh, she's such a badass. And then you watch videos of her, like in interviews, and she's the complete opposite. She's such a fluffy person who's just this typical British humor, and she's always laughing, and she's always like she's like a little kid. She's literally like a little kid who's always happy, always excited. I mean, obviously, everyone goes through their stuff, but she's just – and that's what always blew my mind. Maybe it's the fascination with how good people are at their craft, like how good someone is they can convince you to either love them or hate them on TV. And then you meet them and they're the complete different person. Yeah. It's it's that curiosity. You just want to know, like, and yeah. would we be friends? Who would you be friends? Who would you like to be friends with? Who would, if you yeah. could be friends with one celebrity, who would that be and why? No.
1: Um, I guess it would be someone that I admire, it would have to be someone that I admire mm. for whatever reason. Um, I guess it, it would be people that inspired my musical journey. Mm. So you know, um, people that I grew up listening to, and that was like Tracy Chapman, Joan Armatrading, Alanis Morissette, um, Bob Dylan, um, my dad, used to play me Van Morrison all the time. Like people like songwriters that I aspire to and, and some you know and some modern ones as well. Like those are the people that I would love to meet, love to have dinner with. Yeah, yeah. If we connected on any level, you know.
0: Is is that to to kind of connect as a person or to kind of see what their writing process is like and what their creative process is like? What or is it a mixture of both? Like just to it's to come to
1: both. It's like the character, the the essence of the person that that then creates this body of work that you mm. you know fell in love with and that inspired you. So who is that that person? That who are they? It's the curiosity factor. It's yeah. like Would I even like that person, even though I like this song? Like, would I like the person if I met the person? Sure. Would, just, we have a, would we have a connection?
0: Yeah, the because conne- that's that's also like it's such a double-edged sword because you can love someone and then you can meet them and you're like, this person's an absolute prick. And it, it kind of, I don't know, like maybe not naturally turns you off the person. Um, it's not a conscious thing. I think it just as humans, we just kind of program to, to, to dislike something faster than we like something. And well,
1: actually, I'm the opposite because... I, you know, I'm, I'm like one of those people that's always like, oh, there's, there's so much to look forward to There's, you know, I can always find the good in in things, I can always find good in a situation. And, and um, so I go to these, recently, I went to some open mics locally, and obviously open mics are generally pretty mediocre. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I went and I just wanted to play like after this whole year of not being able to play any live music, I just went and signed up and played some music. And then met some people and, and other musicians and they were like, oh, you know, we should totally connect. We love your stuff. It sounds great. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's totally jam. Let's let's do a thing together. That would be great. But I'd never heard the artist, and so we exchanged cards, got home, I listened to some of the music and I was like, oh God, can I take it back? <laughs> can I, can I um, <laughs>
0: But, but that way is fine. You know, that yeah. that's, that way is okay. That's the better way to have it, where you have this connection and then you listen to the music and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. But when you connect it to the music and you love the music so much and you meet the person and the person is just like, yes, no, I would, I don't want to spend time with. That's even more tragic because you can live without the dude, but the music, you can't live yeah. without the music, especially if you've grown up on it. I mean, I think like... I, it's so sad it's like when you watch a band and they're terrible live it's it's so sad man i watched the used no, it is, it's
1: heartbreaking actually
0: yeah heartbreaking. i remember i watched the used at opikopi and i loved the used like i, I was part of that full that emo scene i loved it so much and ujfm was very metal and rock oriented back then so you know i got exposed to all of it God, and then I saw them at Opie Copy, and it just ruined it for me. And I, I haven't listened to them since that because I oh, no. It's I just, so I just felt like I was so bitterly disappointed. I, it's, yeah. it's weird. I, I think like ah, oh, but I, I, I probably should listen to them again. I'll probably get yeah, back, probably, and I'm probably sure over that. it now.
1: Just gonna have to put that behind you and be like, right, well, you know, maybe. Maybe that was
0: not their day. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, that's, that's what I like to think I would do now is like, I often say to myself, if I had to meet like a particular person, so I watch something and I'm like, you know what, if I had to meet this person, how would I react if they didn't react positively? And I, I'm kind of programming myself to always put myself in someone's shoes and to think maybe that wasn't their best day. So I'll give them another chance. And if the world allows it will i ever meet brandon boyd from incubus and if i meet him will it be more than once to kind of justify his behavior on a particular day i mean he's he's probably super cool i mean he's he's so chilled but i think of someone like eminem if i think eminem will he be a douchebag is he gonna think i'm just another stan um but maybe it's also i should know that some people like eminem don't like to be harassed you know what i mean so i guess we We always have these expectations of what we want someone to be, and then when we finally meet them, we're kind of like, oh, crap, this is not what I'd hope for, yeah, have yeah. you ever met someone like that where you were super like excited and it just didn't happen
1: um, yeah, I guess you do. I mean, I can't think of a specific one, but i mm. can I mean, I'm sure it has happened and and the disappointment that follows or or the person perhaps isn't um, as interested in the here and now as you would hope, mm. um, you know, like you, you, on your side, you're like having this major connection with a person you're like, <laughs> I've been waiting for this day, you know, <laughs> they're, they're just like, Oh, hi. And then they move on or they're on the phone. It's like, Oh, uh, you know, it's pretty heartbreaking. I'm but, sure Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't worry about that too much. I mean, everyone's fighting their own battle day, eh? everyone's got mm.
2: some
1: something going on that you don't know about. So um mm. I would say just like you say, give them a the second chance.
0: And a third chance if you love them enough. Maybe a fourth no. chance. <laughs> like if I had to meet Death Cap for QT, I'd probably or Dave Grohl. But Dave Grohl's super cool, we know this. But if I had to I there's certain people um I met Jared Leto once, actually. Oh yeah. Thirty Seconds to Mars were here, and I won a competition on Five FM. Oh yeah. To meet them, and it was, well, he's such a beautiful man to start off with. So like, when you meet him, you just in awe of his presence because he's just this guy is too perfect, man. I mean, yeah. he's like fifty something, and he's he just he looks like he's twenty. I mean, but being around him, and it was so weird because you. I could feel the intensity that I thought he would bring, you know, very like reserved, very chilled, very like towards himself, very like spirit. You can see the spiritualism in that guy. It's amazing. And all I wanted to do the whole time, because that's what you always wonder, will you behave appropriately? Will I say the right thing? You know, like, and the whole time, all I wanted to say was it's nice to see that your arm grew back because a Requiem for a Dream is one of my favorite movies. And I just wanted to say something stupid. And then they gave us like all these clauses, like, no, you can't ask about his personal life. You can't ask about this. You can't, just don't say anything. Just like say hello and like be. be File away. And I was like, oh God, I just want to ask him this. When will I ever get this chance again? So I think like, it's weird that we put people on like this pedestal we we have such high expectations and we forget that these are human beings as well and I think we've seen it more than ever now I mean you see the kind of because mental health is kind of more of an acceptable thing that we can talk about these days we're more open to understanding when someone is going through something and especially with the press especially for famous people I mean they're always in this thing of They do something crazy and it's like oh look they've lost their mind they're on drugs miley cyrus is this amanda Bynes is that it it goes to the extreme you know the media loves that stuff um but i think it's it's so important to kind of realize in everyday life it's not even just with celebrities anymore it's about understanding where everyone comes from and just realizing that we're all going through something i mean this year has this year has just taught us so much And, and just like it's been tragic um we've lost a lot of people i've lost a lot of friends and family but i think it's just been such a good reset it's really been a good reminder um of the things we need to do and you know like be kind i think that's that's probably the biggest message i think is to be kind to everyone because it's probably it's the toughest time of our generation for a lot of people and yeah i mean yeah,
1: for sure yeah. and, and when you think you're having a bad day just know that there are so many other people but you know worse off than you are so it's about you know gratitude and it's about mm. um looking for the good and things and and helping out where you can you know supporting absolutely. friends and family absolutely
0: um, yeah so what are you cooking? Are you making some buros? Have you been eating any South African food? Oh yeah, it's super it's actually super expensive. I remember when I was there, it was fifty pounds for a hunter's dry. And I was like, nah, screw this. This is Yeah, not- exactly.
1: <laughs> well, in general, living in this country is just generally expensive, I find. Mm. Like relatively to South Africa, like everything about it is, is, is expensive. Mm. So in terms of South African treat, you know there are people that that have South African shops and 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 are able to like deliver bull tongue and meat packages and things, and you pay a lot of money for those. So that's yeah. like super. That's a treat. If we if we do anything like that, it's a it's a real treat. And um, it was a few months ago that we we actually had a bride. Like when it was summertime, and we mm. we bride and we and. We, we especially ordered some, like, South African boerewors, And I'm not even a big boerewors person, but we, <laughs> I had some. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this takes me home just like, just like that. Just the <laughs> so flavor pretty. of it. Yeah, it's just incredible. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of South Africans that live here. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, it's funny because in the marina, I mean, I'll, I'll send you some pictures if you want to include yes, them please. at some point. Um, there's another boat here and there is a South African girl that lives on a boat in this marina. It's like, what are the chances, you know? There's South Africans yeah. everywhere. At the mechanic, I was like taking a payment from a woman and she's like, oh yeah, I'm from Ramberg. I, wow. like, <laughs> I was like, I'm on the other side of the world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? And how yeah, did exactly, you get that?
1: You know, she's from Ramberg, so yeah. Anyway, that's so
0: crazy so you've met so you've, you've got to meet some i guess that's the nice thing of going to like australia and england you get to um connect with people from south africa and that kind of helps you kind of realize yeah i would say that
1: not all of them are my kind of people and <laughs> the reason i say that is because a lot of people left south africa for other reasons yeah. um and and they just have bad things to say about the place. And and I just feel like, gosh, man, it's, you know, I don't want to have this conversation. Like, I don't agree with you. Yeah. I think South Africa's got a huge amount to offer. I love the diversity of it. I love the people. I love everything about South Africa. But these people left for the reason that they were over it. And they hated mm. it. Not because they wanted a new adventure. Which so I hate. They find, like, They try and talk themselves into saying like, oh, you know, well, it's a bad place, all the crime and blah, 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 the corruption. And there are those elements, of course. But, yeah, I'd rather not spend time with people that, you know,
0: like that. Well, they're in the UK. Maybe they should take a little trip down memory and a little history lane and look at the things that happened in the UK before. I think South Africa, is we're very young in our in our corruption ways so we're in in our, our, we we haven't disco- yes we haven't discovered how to hide it very well yet but the british yeah. they've been doing it for a long time oh yeah and they oh. are very good at it so i think but i think <laughs> that's what frustrates me man i think a lot of people who um who have left have negative things to say and it's really sad because like and i think maybe some people are in denial at the same time i think they're also like people try to justify something and and don't get me wrong there are people that will just not like it anymore and they move because they move but those are not the people who are going to say it's this it's that it's this is that they'll just be like we moved we wanted a change and that's it like people like you you wanted a change you wanted something new and you move Um, but the people that just have these negative things to say and they don't do us any justice and we wonder why like a lot of First of all, countries have this terrible perception of us because we have people that are just
1: bad mouthing us bad
0: mouthing us, yeah, yeah, that's every it. country has this thing. I mean it's so interesting when you when you chat to people abroad, I don't know if you've seen in Argentina there's like a whole group of people, like Afrikaans people that moved to Argentina oh really? Uh, and apartheid in yeah, it's a really cool documentary um you should check it out it's like there's a there's a a group of them that moved. And a lot of them have started to kind of like, obviously it's been a long time. It's been over 20 years since um, democracy and stuff. So when they moved away, um, obviously there were a lot of older people. So there aren't that many of them left, but it was it was so fascinating, man. Like they, they had like some of these books and they were saying they wish they could get these Afrikaans books and these Afrikaans magazines. Like I think some, a group of people had sent them some. And they were so fascinated to see like the Afrikaans language like really wow. such a big part of like South African history and so entrenched in in society and everything around. it was it was very it was very touching i mean like all the all the pain and the feelings aside about um the past it was it was very like very sentimental um It was also quite sad because they were like, you know, obviously now people are starting to lose that Afrikaansness because they've lived in Argentina for so long. So it's kind of become like an amalgamation of Argentinian lifestyle and Afrikaans lifestyle. So, yeah, it was was very fascinating just to see like, and I wish, sometimes I wish I could just fly some of these people back to South Africa just so they can come home and see their families and kind of see that, yeah, the country's still here. It may not be the same as it was. Um, when they left, but it's still such a beautiful country with so much to offer.
1: Totally, yeah. absolutely. I mean, in terms of like where I'm at, I, I I'm living here now. I'm I'm making the most of it because this is where I am, and I, I want to make a make a go of the music scene here. Mm. And I'm able to work and live here, so I'm going to do it. But this is, may not be forever. I don't know what my plans are. Mm. I miss South Africa deeply. But I, if I move back, I probably won't live in Joburg and that's the reason we're currently selling our house in Melbourne at the moment yeah. um, is that I I love KZN like I would probably go back and live, you know, somewhere on the coast, maybe
2: yeah.
1: I don't know somewhere there. I just always loved it. I have family there. Um, I love the weather, man, it's so cool. Indian Ocean,
0: so nice to oh, walk. so beautiful! Uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing so true. like it. it. There is, it's, it's, it's an, it's something else, man. I think it's, it's so true. Like Joburg has kind of like, I think it's an age thing when you get older. For me, as I got older, I was like starting to appreciate the coast more, and I think I didn't appreciate it enough when I lived in Durban for those eighteen years. Um, and now when you go back, there's just something so peaceful. I mean. About everything, about being around the ocean. I mean, yeah. yeah, we know like biologically and scientifically, there's like a reason why water brings out like this calmness in the humans. But it, there's just something about as simple as walking on the promenade, like after a day's work, you know what I mean? Instead of sitting in traffic and driving for an hour and a half, which is kind of the thing. But it's kind of like maybe we just start chasing lifestyle, you spend like a large portion of your life working you know you work you spend your youth working really hard to set yourself up for the future and once you get there you're like okay cool I think I've kind of like done what I need to do in the extreme and now it's time to set up for the next 20 years in yeah on the beach yeah,
1: yeah well my hope is that eventually I'll have my beach house in case they don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you so from knew- KZN initially? You, no, you I'm
1: from Joburg. I'm a Joburg okay. girl. My mum was from KZN. She grew mm. up there and I have family there.
0: But um, No relation to Fields Hill, the family, the Fields family.
1: No, no, because my dad's surname <laughs> and he's from here. He's from Birmingham.
0: Oh, he's so, from Birmingham.
2: Yeah, well, so
1: he was born in Birmingham in the UK, came to South Africa when he was a young man like in the 70s and then he met my mom in Joburg and stayed and had his family so I'm kind of like living here to see what it, it was like for him except he never lived on a boat so I don't know I mean life on a boat is very different to life on land.
0: I'm sure of course that's yeah. very good man it's, it's really cool to see you embracing life I think it's it's very admirable what you've done I think it's really exciting and um yeah, the next step would be to give us some more music. Obviously, yeah, we can't wait thing. for that. Okay. Um, and I, I honestly believe that you're going to make such a great impact. You're going to have a really, really great time in the UK. I think your voice is so unique. You've got a, a really unique perspective on life. You've got a really cool personality. I think, like, this was kind of the next step for you, and this is something that's, like, really – um, it's really cool, and I'm glad. And I hope for well, thank nothing you. but the best. Yeah.
1: Thanks for, you know, taking the time out of your day to, to have this conversation. And it's so nice to connect with someone back home, just the little insights and, and even your, you know, your accent and it's just so nice. And, <laughs> and when we first started chatting, I could hear the hardy does in the background and I was like, Oh my God. It's over. <laughs> That's
0: um, hilarious. Actually, you forget those buggers.
1: I know. That's very so, distinctive. Yeah. So thank you. Like, really appreciate this connection and and this and this time together
0: no it's an absolute pleasure and yeah um look forward to the music keep us informed and we'll probably have you back uh where can people catch you where can people follow you on your socials Uh, and vibes
1: yeah so i'm on facebook it's miss josie field and it's miss josie field on instagram as well um you know, I post from time to time when the gigs start going when I have some new music, I will mm. post it up. I do have some videos that I shot just before lockdown in nice. March. I shot them in London um, for my song All Day and my song Regardless. And and um, that was really fun. And so if anyone wants to have a look at those, they're on YouTube. Um, and yeah, I just uh, I just got this keyboard today. I picked it up off Facebook Marketplace.
2: What? So
1: I'm going to, as soon as we're done with this conversation, I'm going to plug her in and, and,
0: you know, do some writing. Oh, that's amazing. That's an incredible Friday evening. It sounds like the perfect way. That's exciting. And it's good to see that some of those Facebook marketing Marketplace stuff works and it's not all Dodge.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, where I am, I, it's it's really user friendly and, yeah. and it's really legit. So you know, and I'm Amazing. I'm all I'm all about um thrifting and, and second hand and upcycling yeah. and things. So you know, if someone's got something they're not using anymore, I'll
0: take it. Amazing. Like, why yeah. not? Absolutely yeah. Josie, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, appreciate thank you for you, Neil. Keep it's shining. Been a
1: it's
0: been take an care. absolute pleasure. You too. I'll chat to you soon. Bye. Bye.